speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We have heard much about this term, yes, this term called equality in the news over the last, perhaps the last decade or several decades. And as you may or may not know, the goal of equality is to make sure that everyone has the same financial, social, gender, and intellectual position in society. Equality understands that many people have various circumstances and opportunities that need to be reallocated to create some sort of sameness, some sort of equality. Now, please keep in mind, as we ponder this equality this morning, please keep in mind that we Christians must always seek to apply the best construction with any person, with any place, with anything or idea. It's always healthy to find points of agreement with those around us. In other words, with the push for equality, we can certainly agree this morning that there are many people and systems and things and laws and societal systems out there that are not fair and frankly are outright abusive in our world. For example, 
we should stand in solidarity with those striving for equality, yes, equality, against those wretched laws and practices in the Middle East aimed at women. We should also stand in solidarity against religious persecution, yes, religious persecution in Nigeria and Somalia. We should also stand in solidarity against the human rights, those human rights violations in China itself, and so forth. We could go on and on and on. Again, there's much work that needs to be done worldwide on the issue of equality and inequality. And we, the church, we should never hesitate. We should never hesitate to point out tyrannical people. We should never hesitate to point out wretched laws and abusive cultures against those who are kept under one's thumb. Now, as we do this, we must also guard ourselves against being too naive. That is to say, while it is good to address the abuses in the world, we must guard ourselves against believing the myth that once everything is equal in our society, everything equal in our world, that everything will be happy and slappy and perfect. You see, having a perfect equality will not create a perfect world with happy and content people. That's the myth. That's naiveness speaking. You see, a perfect utopia is not at the end of a rainbow of equality itself. But instead, more often than not, get this, more often than not, once equality has been achieved, get this, humanity shifts from suffering, suffering under the inequality, to grumbling with equality. Yes, grumbling. Take our Old Testament reading, for example, from the book of Exodus this morning. You would think that being delivered from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh would have created gratitude amongst the people of Israel, the Hebrews. You would think that any of the challenges that were before the Israelites would have been small potatoes compared to being the suffering of slavery for decades underneath the Egyptians. But no, as we heard this morning, as we hear, only five chapters after they are delivered from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, right after they are set free, grumbling sets in. Not just a little grumbling, but the kind of grumbling to the point of wanting to kill, yes, to kill Moses himself. And let us not forget our reading from the gospel, yes, the gospel of Matthew as well. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells us a parable this morning, a parable where everyone gets paid fairly. I remind you, everyone gets paid fairly and justly. They're all the same. However, right there in that parable, with complete equality, yes, you heard it, grumbling broke forth. Now, it's important to keep in mind that there's a big difference between grumbling and suffering. When we suffer, when you and I suffer, when we suffer as human beings, when we suffer more precisely as Christians, we are typically crying out for mercy. Suffering has a way of developing endurance in us as Christians, and this endurance builds character, which goes the way of hope itself. Suffering is a longing for hope, for rescue, for reprieve. In other words, when we Christians suffer, we typically acknowledge our pain, but we do so while clinging to the hope of Christ. But grumbling? Yes, grumbling? You see, grumbling is suffering without hope. One more time. Grumbling is suffering without hope. Grumbling is complaining that leads to despair itself. Grumbling, grumbling itself is typically rooted in a sad and resentful 
and even malicious dissatisfaction with everything around us. Grumbling has its roots in envy and jealousy and coveting. Grumbling lacks gratitude as well as faith and hope and love. Grumbling is the voice of the envious and complaining old Adam in all of us, that sinful nature. Now, dear friends, consider for a moment how easy it is for you and me to grumble when things are going well in our lives. The Hebrews were just delivered, as we mentioned before, they were just delivered from their suffering of slavery, and then they chose to grumble. The first workers in the vineyard, yes, that we heard in that parable, they were all paid fairly. They were not cheated out of their work. They were paid fairly in what they agreed. They were given a denarius for their work. And then they grumbled, and they murmured, and they complained. And you and me, well, we live in a time where we are the most prosperous time in human history. We have more technology, more perks than any other people in the history of the world. And to boot, we have the forgiveness of Christ, and yet, yeah, we still grumble. We still grumble. That is why we are naive. That's why we are naive to believe that if everyone will be equal, that there will be contentment, that there will be happiness, that there will be a sense of rejoicing if everything is removed, all suffering is removed. In other words, if all the suffering is removed from this world and we are made financially and socially and intellectually equal, we will not create a happy and blissful utopic society, but instead we will set the stage for a grumbling larger and bigger than anything we've ever known. You see, while we must uphold that there are indeed problems of inequality in this world that need to be fixed, that need to be addressed, we cannot sweep them under the, under the rug, as they say. We must also be brave. We must also be brave to admit that while equality is needed, it is not the end-all and be-all solution to life. Again, where you find perfect equality, perfect bliss, and fairness, you will most certainly find a spirit of grumbling that will make everything toxic, that will poison everything. As I mentioned before, it is this way because all of us have this old Adam, this sinful nature with us. The old Adam sees things with an evil eye. And so for us as Christians, for you and for me, for us as Christians, yes, for us as Christians, we could say that one of our eyes, one of our eyes sees Christ and his gifts given to us. But the other eye, yes, the other eye is evil. Our evil eye sees things with discontentment, always looking for what we did not get. Our evil eye sees the glass as half empty. It always compares us to other people and looks to life without faith. And once the evil eye zeroes in on something unfair, something that bothers us, it triggers our eye, triggers our mouth to speak, and our mouth it spews forth grumbling and complaints. And on and on and on we poison the air with our grumbling and murmuring. Again, please keep in mind that grumbling is different from suffering. Hear this long clear. Suffering, it cries for mercy. Suffering can be voiced in prayer to God. Suffering happens when we cry out in a posture of humility, a posture of need, a posture of faith. Grumbling, though, 
Grumbling does not cry out for mercy, but it spews forth poison. Grumbling is not voiced in prayer to God, but it, rather it rants to one's neighbor. Grumbling happens when we snarl in a posture of pride and frustration and unbelief. And so grumbling will never see God's goodness. Grumbling will never see his mercy and his love because grumbling is too busy working to bring forth the fruit of bitterness in us. Ultimately, grumbling rejects the gospel itself. It spits on Christ and his gifts, and it denies our baptismal identity. Dear Lord, please forgive us. Please forgive my flock, and especially right here, me. Forgive us for our grumbling. Baptized saints, I thank God I really do right now. I, I thank God that we are not judged on the amount of grumbling that we do. Lord, have mercy. I thank God that we're not judged on the amount of grumbling that we do. If we were, if I was, oh my goodness, if I was, if you and I were, we should be looking for a bunch of rocks to crawl underneath to just simply hide. But instead, our Lord Jesus Christ, he hears our grumbles. He hears our confession of sin. And he groans to us the words, it is finished. It is finished. Yes, I forgive you for your grumbling. And that, my friends, right there, right there, right there, I forgive you for your grumbling, are the most beautiful words that we can hear for our evil eye and our grumbling tongues. These are the most beautiful words that we can hear. I forgive you for your grumbling. Our grumbling mouths, our evil eyes, and our discontent heart are met with Christ's bold and gracious decision, his choice to forgive you and me for all of our sins. Our Lord chooses not to give us what our grumbling mouth and eye, our evil eye, deserve. Because of his goodness, he chooses to pour out his gracious forgiveness. He chooses his generosity upon this sinner right here, upon you and you and you and you. You are forgiven for Christ's sake. And perhaps that's the most incredible news the Lord's graciousness is for us. It's not conditioned on us. It's not conditioned on you and me. How could it be? We, we, we don't deserve it. But instead, it is the very nature and the character of the kingdom of God, as we heard in that parable this morning, the kingdom of God, the very nature of the kingdom, to be generous, to forgive, to forgive grumbling sinners and consider it well worthwhile. And so, dear friends, in a peculiar turn of events, I guess in the kingdom of God, in Christ, we are equal. Indeed. We're equally forgiven because we equally have the same Christ. We have the same grace. We have the same forgiveness. We have the same goodness of God given to us as a sheer gift. And unlike the world that seeks happiness in equality but will never find it, you and I have not happiness but gratitude and assurance for our equality is in Christ and his good gifts for us. Baptized saints, it all depends on Jesus and his free gifts as we all muddle through this life together. And as we muddle through this life together, we live 
yes, with suffering, but suffering that's not alone, suffering that has hope, hope that the Lord will finally take us at one day to take us home to be unto himself. And then, yes, then he will give all things back to us again as a gift because of his generosity to us. He chooses to forgive. He chooses to bestow grace upon us. He chooses to claim you. And that is wonderful news. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.